You're listening to Get Real KC with Jen and Eric. Kansas City's consumer-facing real estate podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Get Real KC, where we are overflowing with a passion for all things real estate. I'm Eric Jurgensen. And I'm Jen Justice. And today we have in studio with us Elena Huffman from NCRI, which is National Catastrophe Restoration, Inc. So glad to have you here. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Super excited to get this party started. All right. <laughs> well, so we've we got to be careful because it, although we're all pretty excited, it's some really great information for homeowners and some things to think about. It's not necessarily the most pleasant topic in the world. Right, because what your company specializes in, and uh, we want to talk about uh, obviously your company, company, but companies and services like this as a whole for homeowners, um, is is when there's been some kind of catastrophe, and so you know fire, water, etc. And we'll talk about some of those, um, and and what a homeowner can expect, what they can do, um, some of the things that happen uh, that maybe that are pretty obvious, and maybe some that aren't. So uh, let's jump right in and and just tell us a little bit about NCRI and 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 maybe companies like them. So it's generalize a little bit and the kinds of projects that you take on. When do people call you? Sure. Well, of course, um, we don't have the call um, when people are static and happy. It's <laughs> always when they're um, in distress. They've had a emergency, they've had a water loss um, or fire, even just maybe found some mold. So their emergency service are going to be, you know, um, responding to uh, water damage for mitigation purposes, um, fire for maybe board ups and the cleanup. But the mold, like if we get a call for, um, we, we were to get a call for mold um, over a weekend, we're not going to make that an emergency situation. It's going to be more, Let's we'll see on Monday, right? Um, so yeah, projects can be Again, anything from, you know, um, a big rainfall happens, um, sump pumps tend to go out a lot of times. So we like to tell homeowners, you know, make sure when the rain is coming, you're watching that sump pump because that's what we see a lot of. Well, is, if they're like me, they're just listening to it, right? right. I hear it going on and off. <laughs> Whoosh. Exactly. Yeah. So you want that sump pump to be working like it's, I mean, it's got to be working hard. So what we have found is, I mean, a lot of sump pumps are the first to go, obviously. So we try to make sure people know to make sure to turn it off, like completely turn it off if that's happening, because it's now it's just pumping water into the basement. That's typically where some pumps found. Um, so yeah, the water damage is definitely, um, first and foremost, um, I'd say 80% of the calls that we would get. So if like in that moment of the emergency, like, um, the, the, the microburst has come through and all of my windows have been shattered and I've got water and brand, I call you in that moment. Exactly. Yes. Um, so we're particularly open, you know, 24 seven, 365, um, we have a live project manager that answers the phone, so we don't have a call center, which is nice. Um, so something like that, a microburst, you know, um, we get boots on the ground within 45 minutes to an hour. That's what you're going to find with most restoration companies. Um, if they provide an emergency service, that it, uh, boots on the ground should be within two hours. Um, so something like that, you know, board ups are in need. Um, definitely get that cleanup going. Um, the homeowner definitely needs to get a hold of their insurance company. Uh, first and foremost, um, 
in an event of a fire, obviously 911 to get the fire because we're not going to come and put out the fire. <laughs> yeah, not <laughs> that call. Not that first call. We're not that <laughs> call. We're not. We're after the 911 call. So definitely call 911 for sure. Um, but yeah, we um, usually get um, the information over the phone from the homeowner or property manager, whoever um, has the property, just to kind of get an idea of a little bit of the scope of work that we're going to be walking into. So how much equipment needs to be taken to the location? Um, are we talking 10 by 10 damage? Are we talking floors and, and rooms of damage? Um, because the trucks are going to be loaded a, a, accordingly to what we're told over the phone. So as much information the homeowner or a business owner can give on the over the phone is is the best. Do they FaceTime now? No. Maybe we should put video and FaceTime in that because then they could get eyes on it. That's a good idea. Ooh. That's a good idea. As I say, if the, two, the last that, two years hasn't taught us anything. It's taught us how to do We can Zoom. Video. We can yeah. FaceTime. I mean, we do that through houses and stuff. That'd be a great way for them to get eyes on it. And I'm just thinking, like, if you have a fire, one of the things that happens pretty quick that I didn't know until I had a rental property that had a fire is they're going to bust into that roof. Yes. Yeah. It's going to let the smoke out. And yeah. I was like, the smoke and, the and then the yeah. water and then all the things. And I was like. It really wasn't that bad of a fire, but now we have a hole in the roof and we have water damage. And, and the windows are broken on the doors are, yes, it's like, yes, the fire damage equates to water damage right. and content damage. And that's what people overlook smoke damage is the smoke damage. You can have a small fire, but the smoke can literally like go to every level of the home and to the drawers of the home. So it's, it's amazing how the soot from the smoke and the fire um, can literally spread. You always think of campfire. Like when you go to the campfire, you know, and you go inside and you've only been there for 10 or 15 minutes <laughs> and, and you reek. And you reek, yeah. Or yeah. a barbecue joint. Who who goes to, we're in Kansas City, right? Like oh, go, yeah. We go to barbecue, barbecue places. And, and you walk I, out and you're going to smell like that for two days. <laughs> yeah. Because well, it permeated your skin. That's called yeah. one of the benefits of a barbecue joint in Kansas City, just <laughs> right. so you know. That's a subliminal message the next three days, like, you, I need that barbecue. barbecue. Good, <laughs> well, let, let's stick with, because I kind of want to go through the big three. So let's stick with fire for a minute. Mm-hmm. And you guys have already kind of talked about some of the things that definitely occur. Uh, I, I was doing some reading in preparation for this, and uh, I was actually on American Red Cross website. And uh, one of the things that they talk about, which obviously a restoration company isn't going to fix directly, um, is is the just the emotional trauma of you know losing all your stuff and and particularly key family pieces and that kind of stuff. Now, but not all fires destroy the home completely. There's kitchen fires. There's you know small fires, etc. Let's walk through and maybe just kind of list out, even though we're going to do some repeat here, of, of some of the damage. And then let's talk about some of the damage that maybe people don't think about that they're going to um, deal with if they don't have it properly um, um, restored, I guess is the right word. So obviously the fire burn stuff, we, we got that. Mm-hmm. And we certainly have smoke. And I think you're right. I think very few people um, understand how uh, how much smoke permeates um, mm-hmm. Except for except for my buyers who go into homes where people smoked, they understand it really well. <laughs> but uh, so water, right? Water is um, a, a big eventuality if the fire department's called. Uh, but if not, and it's been put out with something like um, a fire extinguisher, there's the chemicals and stuff in that, right? That's a big cleanup issue as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that the fire extinguisher uh, it's basically does almost like a microblast of air that it doesn't do much damage, but you're still going to have 
the the burn marks if it's a furniture you're going to be the furniture still going to be scorched right um so but also it's the it's the cause root of the fire was it electrical or was it um from a chimney or something that sparked something to something so if it's electrical fire then you have a whole series of problems i mean you have rewiring in general for the house well, and you've got to find it you've got and to you make have, sure yeah you have to find it yeah for sure um, I, i'd much rather have it from a chimney than oh than my a, psa is so the fire that I ended up having that I utilized your company for was due to someone putting a cigarette butt out in a flower pot. Dirt. What? Yes. So I, th- <laughs> I guess that I guess that seems reasonable in just general logic, I suppose. However, when we've had dry conditions and that dirt, especially some of the potting soil mixes, you put a cigarette out that can smolder in. And then that is what actually caught the house on fire is that cigarette butt that was put out in that flower pot. And then it smoldered and that did um, about $90,000 worth of damage. And the neighbor was watching it. It was like 16 minutes. Oh. So, I mean, PSA, do not put cigarettes out in flower pots, everyone. Put them out in the proper uh, ashtrays or or whatever. And and put water on it. Put water on it. Be careful. Put water on it. Yeah, yeah, I know that just seems very basic, but it happened. Yeah. I and- wouldn't, you know, I, I I don't smoke, but to be honest, I, if I saw somebody shove something in the dirt of a flower pot, other than I don't you would wanna, think that I that's reasonable. Yeah, I mean, I don't want a cigarette bud in my right. flower pots, but nonetheless, I would think that the the cigarettes out. I really would. Right, because people throw them on the ground all the time and step on them. But I guess it's the there was something within. Well, tell the, them to the stop soil. that. That's littering. <laughs> that is littering. That's not biodegradable. <laughs> but that's what happened. In, yeah. And when you're talking yeah. about causes of fire, that was how this fire was caused so yeah craziness wow. sure it's not the only time it's happened but so if you've got a fire and the fire department shows up they're going to be doing some of those other things you guys were talking about so the first thing they're going to most likely do um is, is they're going to be looking for a, a way if, if the heat is built up which it can be do we we can get into this whole uh, i'm a geek at heart and so we can get into this whole discussion about flashpoints and modern building materials and modern house con- and all that but houses can flash to lethal points Wick. very like, unbelievable with, right. like within mm-hmm. like three minutes or something it's oh, ridiculous it's unbelievable. right but mm-hmm. uh so one of the things that they're likely going to do if you've got a even a just a single room that's kind of inflamed um uh, engulfed i guess is the right word is they're going to want to ventilate it to get going to exit heat and the smoke mm-hmm. so that's that's typically right them cutting a hole in the roof because hot air rises and that's where you you know and i'm then, not a firefighter by the way but i think they use an axe I've heard that. You play one on TV. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, we can do the little. I can picture. We, we, can, we can do that segment we were talking about of the strange things Damn. that Eric has done in life. And I actually was a volunteer firefighter with a paid force about a long time ago. Okay. So, there you go. Mad see? respect. In yeah. central Missouri. Yeah. So that's fun. Um, yeah. A little anonymous fact. So, yes. And I've, I've, I've cut those holes and swung the axes and cut, you know, tore open walls because you're going to make sure you get the fire and you don't have to come back and rip things out that may or may not need to have been ripped up, but they needed to be from a uh, perspective of let's make sure that we've caught the fire because the last thing you want to do is have it rekindle and burn the rest of the house. Right. Right. So uh, the the fire department in doing their job, and thank you, fire department, we love you, uh, but they tear the crap out of your house. Right. So that's got to be fixed. Well, mm-hmm. if they didn't do that, then it might burn the rest of the way down, yeah, which absolutely. is worse. So, yeah. Absolutely. And then, of course, water. The water comes Mm-hmm. So um, that's the most of the damage I feel for contents, especially because they just just spray. I mean, I have an example recently of a house fire 
Um, it's actually in our neighborhood. And my daughter was over at the house playing and it was, my daughter's the one that smelled the smoke coming from the basement. And she's like, there's smoke. The hoverboard that wasn't plugged in, oh. like blew up, oh. like blew up. Right. And, um, my friend, she, at the time she just reacted and grabbed this fire extinguisher and ran downstairs, which don't ever run to <laughs> like, I mean, she saw only smoke and she did put out the initial fire, but I'm telling you that she has, they have a three level house. The smoke, the, the rise of the smoke literally was in their master bedroom. Like you could touch the walls and the, the walls were a white color originally, but it ended up being like more of like a, you know, the ashy mm. because it just rose everywhere. And I told her to open up her um, kitchen drawers and sure as heck, there was baggies in there that there was actually soot and smoke like inside the baggies. Like that's how it traveled. And there were people in the house and this is a short time frame. Yes, there's there was wow. a short time frame. The fire department was there in seven like seven minutes. So but she already got time. she already got the fire out and they did um go ahead and, you know, um there wasn't too much water damage. However, just that small think of a hoverboard, right? It's the size of a skateboard. So you have the carpeted area that was laying. So they the fire department did do a fire cut, you know, with water right. we have flood cuts. They did a fire cut to get um any of the remnants that were on you know, burnt. So for as far as estimated damage repair, it was still $30,000 because you had to still do some new drywall. You had to do some new paint, not just in the basement, but on the kitchen level and even the, in the uh, upper third floor level. So let's talk about some of those mm. restoration techniques. Um, and again, we'll stick with fire. Let's start with smoke. So you mentioned we've got smoke and soot going through the house, getting on walls, getting in drawers. Is that um, is that cleanable do or, or do um and i'm not talking about like point of origin where they're scorching i'm talking right. about a room or two away right or does that all the have wall's to be gonna be difficult i'm gonna think yeah is that is that cleanable does it have to be replaced repainted sealed what what, what are right. some of the techniques that are so used a, re a restoration company should look at all those factors um what's cleanable like literally being able to go in and wipe down things should be the first thing because it's going to be um, more cost effective, obviously. You just have the labor involved, um, and you have just some chemicals. But when you get to a point when you're when you're cleaning at a point where you're not getting the job done, then that's when you're gonna maybe have to, you know, sand down some areas that maybe got scorched or something, and then the paint. So usually a couple estimates are typically given. One, um, and of course, it depends on the insurance coverage. You know, um, is it insurance coverage. Oh, well, we'll get to insurance here in a the minute. The content, you know <laughs> like, what I'm saying? The yeah. content. So, so yeah, so um, some restoration companies, you know, we are, an uh, example, we actually have a, a content department that we restore, um, uh, you know, furniture and things like that. And instead of just salvaging them, like, you know, marketing non-salvageable, we can salvage a lot of things because of a content cleaning department. So that's like a restoration with restoration companies. You want to look for companies that have that capability for sure. So with drapes, with bedding, with clothes, um, because all that you can't just wash your, the clothes and bedding and get the smoke out. It has to be treated. Okay. Um, well, let's jump then to water a little bit, which obviously will then take us into mold, but let's water. So whether it's been uh, uh, fire induced water or um, a, a sump pump or uh, a, sto a storm where you had a roof problem or or even a flood for that matter because there are small creeks and whatever that, that create flood conditions in homes that 
aren't part of some major flood. Mm -hmm. So I've got water, either, you know, either running through or pooling in my house, what, what, and then it goes away. What what are we doing there? How, what do we need to be doing? Because I see a lot of basements as we tour homes where um, we've cut off the first two or three foot of drywall in the entire basement. I'm mm -hmm. assuming that's water and mold related. I right. That's that's called a flood cut. So that's when um, the restoration company is not able to get the uh, insulation and the drywall completely dry um, because what a, a restoration company will do going in is they'll basically, the first step is to mitigate the water. So basically sucking the water up. Think of a big shot back, but 10 times as big and coming from a truck, right? They're getting the, they're extracting the water from the flooring, whether it's the carpet or the tile, whatever floor materials. And then they usually um, will pop the baseboards off of the walls and do um, drill holes in the perimeter um, and get the drying bands going. Um, so restoration companies will typically get that going and try to salvage as much material as possible because it's a win-win for everybody, right? The insurance company, you're a hero. The home, the homeowner, you're a hero. I mean, for everyone, it's a win-win. Um, so they're going to dry as much as possible and go out and do um, basically um, – they're going to test the the walls for the water moisture, right? And if you can get that water moisture out, then you can you're you're you don't have a loss. But if you can't, usually it takes a couple of days. If you're not seeing it get completely dry because you only have a certain window before the mold starts setting in, then that's when the flood cuts are done. Usually, two or three foot um, from the, the flooring. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's what people usually see is the perimeter is the cutting is the drywall. So the, the largest problem with water is, other than obviously getting the water out, is mold. Is that the biggest long-term concern? Yes, I would say. And definitely compromising the foundation if it's not built back properly. Um, you definitely want to make sure the structure is there as well. Oh, you, mean, um, you mean like wall studs and everything yes, that have been yes. soaked and then may not have the same integrity that they did? Okay. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so let's jump to mold for a minute, and uh, I can guarantee you that I know very little about mold. <laughs> um, and so I'll, I'll start with the wives' tales or the, the old things that, that I do know, which is just that you know, there's black mold and green mold, and one is worse than the other, but I couldn't tell you which. Right. Is black that, mold's is that, worse. Black, you don't want to – yeah, black mold. When people actually see, like, visible mold, that can typically just be wiped down, to be honest. I mean, as a homeowner – do you, it, it's peace of mind to maybe get a restoration company out to take a look, but most restoration companies have to come in and have a, a third party source to actually test the mold because it's conflict of interest. So we would never go in and say, oh, you have all this mold. We wouldn't do that because, again, it's a conflict. You're going to mitigate it. We're going to mitigate it. We're going to remediate sure. it. Right. Yeah. So so it's a third party that you should have come in. You know, as a homeowner, you should expect that restoration company to call in a third party to come in and do air sampling, and even um, uh, sampling from the, the walls or wherever the, the, the source is. So, um, <clears throat> well, let's let's go there. That sort of ties in with insurance. So um, we're pretty aware that um, uh, insurance companies don't always have the greatest reputation of uh, paying out what sometimes people believe they should pay out. Uh, and, and I think a lot of homeowners or a lot of people are very aware of those scenarios when it comes to roofs. So I can use those as a pretty good analogy. Um, 
some insurance companies will replace a roof and the insurance company for the person next door will say there's no damage. Um, and I guess theoretically, hail's got to start and stop somewhere, but that doesn't sound always reasonable to me. Uh, so obviously there's varying opinions on that. How First thing I should ask is <clears throat> if I've got this problem and now the excuse me, the fire department is, say, out of the house, and but now I've got windows, I've got a hole in the roof, I've got all of that, so I need to call somebody. This isn't my, you know, necessarily my insured. It's Saturday night and it's storming, whatever. So I've called somebody to come out and do the basics because that's going to get paid for by somebody somehow, some way, and it doesn't really matter. Now, how? what's the right order in terms of um, – my insurance company, mm -hmm. choosing mm -hmm. a restoration company. Right. How, how, do, how do you guys mesh together? Typically, typically? you want to work hand in hand with the adjuster. Like ideally, um, you, you coordinate to be on site the same time evaluating as the adjuster. So you're both on the same page um, because you can write up the scope of work and then on, at two o'clock on a Tuesday, the adjuster could come at five o'clock on a Tuesday and have a different scope. That's not good because then you're kind of, you're kind of, battling each chapter other. Chapter one and chapter 10. Right. Yeah. So you have to be on the same page. And so um, you, typically you want your restoration company and your adjuster ideally at the property doing the scope, walking it together because each of them will see maybe something different than the other might not see. So depends on the training and the background of the adjuster. The same with roofs, honestly. I mean, yeah. that's no, just, I, for, I, for our listeners, I think that's good policy is when you have an issue, whether it's a roof mm -hmm. or a restoration or whatever, you want your contractor and your adjuster there. You want to coordinate those. You don't want to have them independent of one another. You want to get those people together mm -hmm. on that same same time frame. Because at the end of the day, they're working for the homeowner. Uh, you Bingo. as a homeowner, if you're listening to homeowners, it, they're working for you. I mean, it's, it's, it's your home. It's, you know... Um, it's your money <laughs> and, and they should be obviously trying to get as, not get as much money as you can get, but get what's applicable to replace like kind and quality. Oh, well, let's be honest. A lot of people look <laughs> at insurance companies and they want to get as much money as they can get. Right. And let's and, not do that. Let's not, you yeah. know, cause then everyone's premiums go up. Let's just keep it real and keep it honest. And if you had, you know, uh, a, a roof that cost $22,000, let's get it replaced with that same like kind of quality roof. Right. Like if a fourth yes, of it was exactly. damaged. Yeah. So it's well, just so here's the thing that that I it's just running through my mind and my experiences with real estate claims uh, and my clients that I'm aware of um, I, this scenario where uh, uh, and it so you, I call you guys in. I've had a, a small fire and there's a bunch of water damage. And you you think as a general rule, you're going to be able to save the, the walls in that room with some cleaning and some and dewatering and all of that. And then as you go through, so the adjuster comes in, we all sit around and say, yeah, this is all the work that's going to be done. Here's the level of coverage. I give you the green light to go do the work. Um, and then um, you know, a day and a half, two days in, three days in, whatever the right you were just describing is you go, hey, Eric, I'm, you know, I, we're not going to be able to salvage this wall. We, we, you know, we, we tried to do the easy step. It's not going to work. We're going to have to, you know tear out the first three foot of drywall in this entire room, replace mm -hmm. it, repaint mm -hmm. all of that stuff. Um, and the only thing as, as now I'm thinking to myself, how do I get back to the insurance company who's already said, Hey, here's the check we're going to write you. And, and so do you guys help homeowners with that or would a restoration company typically do that? Yes. So typically that would be considered like a change order. Okay. So um, then Restoration companies should the restoration company you choose should be working with your insurance company. 
ideally, because as a homeowner, you're just you're just saying, okay, you don't you know you don't know the questions typically to ask. You're just going with the flow, right? And um, yeah, that's just a change order that it shouldn't be any issue. If anything, the insurance company should just agree to it and then just write the separate check if it's even written yet. Usually it's not written at that point, but yeah. I know with automobiles, I've had a scenario where my insurance carrier says, Hey, if you go to one of these providers, uh, we'll, we'll just, it'll, we'll take care of it all. They, we have, we share electric systems, et cetera. Does that happen in the restoration world as well? Yes. And I will say at the end of the day, it's the homeowner's decision who they can use, who they can then get a quote from. So, um, sure, your insurance agent will have relationships, one better than the other, with different roofing companies, restoration, window, you name it. So at the end of the day, the homeowner can, and I've had this situation several times in our world, is is they can at least get an estimate from their choice restoration company provider. Well, whether they Whether they go with that one or not, they have the right to say, you know what? My brother owns actually this restoration company. I would love to get an estimate for them. And the insurance company has got to accept the, est- the, the estimate. They need to, yeah, they have to look at it. Well, not only can, but at some level potentially should. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> because, because uh, you know, yeah. it, w- with a car, most of the time, you know, I can get in a car and pretty quickly know whether it's going to drive properly or whatnot. But if somebody's not dealing with, say, a load-bearing wall foundation appropriately, it may be months or years before that manifests. And so that whole sort of direct connection, although convenient, does to me, because I'm a little bit of a skeptic, Mm -hmm. I think, feel a little uncomfortable in that um, who does have my interests in mind when I'm not even part of the conversation. So Right. And and with the whole, like the roof thing. So if somebody had their roof completely replaced by roofing company A, and then some water damage started happening a year later, that original roofer should be contacted because there should be a little bit of um, there should be a warranty for one a, thing. a little bit of warranty going on there so that's a different that's that's gonna be the exception is if there was a work already done and there's some issues sure. going on yeah. yeah all right well let's fl- let's turn the table a little bit so hopefully we don't have a whole lot of listeners that have to call a restoration company that have a catastrophic loss uh, however uh, it's entirely possible that they're looking at a house that has had a catastrophic loss which should in fact be disclosed on a disclosure form etc is there anything any tips for a home buyer when they, they come in and they see well for example I've got some clients now that are getting ready to list in their home five or six years ago I think uh, essentially burnt down and they had it rebuilt and of course that's going to have to be completely disclosed and it was Rebuilt essentially is a new home, so it mm-hmm, was like mm-hmm. a like a used a, a foundation and built back the frame. And the, right, the but I would expect when we do list that there will be people that will have questions, and so my question to you, mm-hmm. Elena, is: What is there are certain things that people should be looking for if they know there's been some kind of catastrophic event in the house they're possibly buying? Mm, I feel like I mean, as far as like if it's a, it was a fire and rebuilt, only that it was just built back to code. I mean. I don't think anything should be red flagged um, as long as they used a, you know, a reputable builder contractor to put the do the put back. The only thing that would be red flags would be if there was um, uh, mold on the inspection. Um, you want to know if that was remediated properly or if it was covered up with drywall and paint. So, but my build back from a, a previous fire. No, I don't think there's anything particularly. It sounds like if it was done correctly. You- 
you're not going to be able to tell other than the fact that it's been disclosed to you. Right. Well, so what about, because I mentioned this, and, and Jen, I know you do as well, we go into homes that have that um, flood cut in the basement a lot. And they're, you know, so, um, is, is that a concern? Should I be getting mold testing done at that point? What, what it... Again, if it's the right um, restoration company and contractor that did the structure put back, then there should be no signs of a flood cut. I mean, you shouldn't be able, you shouldn't be able to see the flood cut. A lot of people just leave it though. I think what he's alluding to is some people just take the money and then leave the situation for the next person to deal with. Yeah. And so we're walking into a home and we see mm, okay. the actual studs exposed, the drywall is cut, and maybe I'm thinking that this is something some homeowners do just out of lack of knowledge, quite frankly. That's the way they think they should solve the problem. They don't have the techniques that a restoration company would have. And so they got water in the basement and they're like, ah, just cutting it off. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. That, that so, also could be done not by a restoration company, but by a homeowner uh, who okay. got water in their basement. And I think that's probably what we see more commonly than a restoration company that would come in and try and mitigate it a different way. Yeah. I would, oh, I would definitely have it uh, tested for mold then for sure. Because just because you cut out visibly what you're thinking is, 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 moist or have said that word moist <laughs> sorry bleep that one out but if there, if there was apparent moisture that was cut out um there's still moisture that that travels it could be another couple feet up so definitely um i would mold testing would be my recommendation for a new homeowner looking at a home that has that visual flood cut that was never put back yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's what we see. That's what we see. Yeah. And I really think that that's homeowners that just maybe didn't call a company to mitigate and thought, oh, it I touched think, that bottom yep. two inches. And so I cut, and I don't frequently see them cut out two or three feet. So that's an interesting. Um, oh, it should be feet. Oh, 100%. But it's not. At I least... mean, think about the number of times, Eric, you've seen just like a, this much right here. Like I'm I'm six inches is what I'm showing in yeah. the studio here. but. They're, they took off that baseboard and it's maybe three inches above that baseboard. Yeah. So oh, that goodness. indicates to me, yes, that's a homeowner it's that did that. At some minimally point. 18 inches to That's feet. good information for the listeners yeah. and for us. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah, sure. yeah, absolutely. For sure. Okay, well, we're getting close to the end of our time. So I want to ask you the question that we ask all of our guests. <laughs> um, what is the, the craziest thing you've seen? And let's keep it to residential. Uh, in 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 your work with uh, NCRI. Okay, let's see the craziest thing. So I personally was not boots on the ground for this one, but of course our project managers are going to have to take photos and things like this. And so a call that we did receive was um, so we we particularly do um, you know hazard you know material cleanup and things like that biohazard right. Um, so we had to show up to a home that had enough animal feces to probably, uh, I don't know, like, uh, fill a couple dumpsters, fill some dumpsters, dumpsters. Yes. Ugh, it was, it was, yes. The home had several, several dogs and cats and there was just feces just everywhere. And, um, that's disgusting. So, that, so, that, that's disgusting that, that they actually live there as well. And it just got so much that they were tired of kind of walking around it. Yeah. It was disgusting. So wow. hang, hang on, you're telling me that <laughs> there was a bunch of dog shit, yeah, and 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 cat shit. I was about to say cat poop, but I'm like, why am I letting cats off the hook? Right. Uh, yes, um, and piss everywhere. Pee, and, poo. But but like yeah. like piled up, not like there was a pile under here and a pile there no. that somebody. 
it was like a like a, what do you what, minefield mine like a minefield right and like, there was so much they got tired of walking over it and they had to call in a restoration company wow yeah and we and we just had to tear up carpet and I mean the pads were soaked with piss and it was it was disgusting wow. so. Yeah, there you go. And but, but the guys actually wore um, hazmat suits because it's, it's, uh, it stings it's, your eyes, that ammonia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So there you go. <laughs> don't, don't be that pet owner. That's all I have to don't say. Don't be that Put person. those things outside if it's that bad. Yeah. Good right. gracious. Wow. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, I really appreciate you coming yes. on, sharing some stories, some advice. Uh, obviously, uh, people, uh, don't want to have to call you, but you're probably a good uh, contact information to have in there. Uh, and I'll use that Rolodex term, which we have used before. Nobody knows what a Rolodex is anymore. <laughs> to have it, have in their have in their phone. Uh, so uh, if people want to write that down, uh, so they know that they have you know somebody in the business, they can just call, in case they have a catastrophe. That's right. How do right. they how do they get a hold of you? Okay, so yeah, um, you can call nine one three. Six six three four one one one, and that's going to get you to our office. And uh, a live uh, NCRI uh, representative will be answering that and taking care of you. All right, excellent. And website? Yeah, our website is uh, ncricat dot com. So that stands for ncricatastrophe dot com. All right. Excellent. Hey, Elena, so much for, uh, so thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. For for being part part of the podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Jen. All right, everybody. That's all the time we have. Tune in next time for another great episode. Until next time. You have been listening to Get Real KC with Eric Jurgensen and Jen Justice. For more information or to contact our hosts, visit us at dreamhomesbygen.com, where you can find more episodes exploring real estate as it matters to you.